Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Para fans. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when we can view the paranormal? Because with the Christian view. Truthers, welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. I know it's getting just getting started for some of you, but uh, we want to get into a very interesting topic tonight. So we're going to get right into it and uh, go from there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at paratruthradio.com, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, Paranormal UK Radio Network. Let's get ready to expose some lies. War, famine, disease, and everything in between. Most believe that these things are natural. Natural by how humanity presents itself, and normal by way of nature. Most of this can be worked out through politics, water, medication, and more. However, there are some that believe these things are no help at all and that the mental disorders, famine, war, birth defects are not part of the natural order, but instead are designed by entities beyond our visual plane, and that these entities can only be countered through spiritual methods. This is spiritual warfare. So I was doing a lot of research on this, and, um, you know, we've done numerous research on this just because of our background and the funny thing that I found was that a lot of the spiritual warfare stuff that I could find was based on the Christian faith, um, because apparently mm-hmm. that's where the the term actually kind of comes from. But it was good to see that there was uh, other viewpoints on it, you know, the the secular modern view, tribal worldview. Uh, there was uh, a couple of others. And uh, it's actually quite different between each of the views. Uh, one thing that I wanted to start us out with was I wanted to give you the chance to uh, tell what spiritual warfare comes from in the Bible. Like, where do we see it and um, where does it tell you how to defend yourself? That sort of a thing. Yeah, so spiritual warfare really is, as you had mentioned, kind of the uh, basically a Christian concept of fighting against the work of eternal evil forces. Uh, this isn't the idea that you know we're constantly. Let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. 
this is kind of the idea where we're constantly in a battle with unseen entities at all times, all days, uh, throughout the week. Even when we're sleeping, we're at battle, so we need to protect ourselves by putting on the full armor of God, which is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Uh, actually, that was one of the, the first Bible verses I ever remembered when I first <laughs> became a Christian and started reading the Bible. It was the first one that just you know struck me. Um, but throughout the Bible, we see a number of passages that refer to spiritual warfare. Um, Romans 6 is one example. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death as well? The idea here being that spiritual warfare, or demons in this case, uh, lead and tempt men and women into sin. And what Paul is saying here in Romans 6, 1 through 23, this is just verse 6 that I read though, um, is that we need to be careful that we stray or not stray, push away from sin, to turn away from sin and recognize when temptation is being allotted to us. Uh, so in that sense, spiritual warfare is something that we should keep in our minds at all times. Because if you feel that temptation, it's probably not you but instead, the demonic entity that is attached to you. You know, there's a common belief that the devil's on your shoulder and you have an angel on the other side, you know, that old <laughs> concept. I mean, in this case, it's kind of the real thing. Um, only the demons can be numerous or different, depending on the day and depending on the temptation. And the angel, more or less, isn't necessarily an actual angel um, as we know them, but instead is the Holy Spirit, which resides within us if we come to the belief in Jesus. Um, there's a few others as well throughout the scriptures. Um, Matthew 4, 1 through 11 shows us the temptation of Jesus when Satan takes him to uh, a high mountain and tempts him with glorious things, you know. Um, and he takes him to several different places. So that's another example of the temp being tempted by Satan, being tempted by demons. One other passage, which is actually a really good one, one that I like, and you and I have talked about in the past, is uh, Jude one nine, which <clears throat> talks about Michael the archangel rebuking Satan. Uh, he says, this is Michael talking to Satan, says, the Lord rebuke you, which gives us the example of the idea that even with angels, there's a sense of spiritual warfare and that God is rebuking Satan for his actions on humanity. Uh, we see the same thing through the book of Job. It's all the things that are happening in Job, all the bad things, his family dying, his livestock dying, being struck with uh, illness and disease. All that stuff is being done by spiritual entities. In this particular story of Job, it's Satan. And it's just another reference to how we as humans are constantly subject to spiritual warfare. And we we need to be careful. The the outlying out, um the outlying subject matter of Job isn't necessarily just spiritual warfare, but it's what we need to do in spiritual warfare, and that is lean on God at all times. Turn to him, and then in return, the spiritual warfare will be handled by God himself. 
And I think that's one thing that's very important in the Christian aspect is that we as people do not have the power in and of ourselves to fight Satan and his demons, but instead the power comes through Christ, uh, through the Holy Spirit, through God the Father, uh, when we pray to them and ask them for protection and to battle against these spiritual entities. Now, some of the other viewpoints here are the, the modern secular view, supernatural view, uh, the one that I came across, I don't think it, it uh, defines it properly because in this particular description, it's talking about more so uh, a scientific viewpoint, basically stating that there is no war, that God, the devil, any type of spiritual entities are, aren't real because science can't say that they're, they're real or not. Um but when I think of, of a secular or mainstream worldview as we call it, because that's kind of where I come from, I, I think that falls under ghost hunters, uh, you know, cryptozoologists, all those different people fall more under a secular viewpoint where that means that they don't follow a, a strict Christian viewpoint and that, uh, there's, there's other ideas about what's going on. Now, in that sense, I think that uh, the Christian viewpoint and the secular viewpoint agree because when we are being um, manipulated or uh, if we're going through a haunting, you know, there are a lot of, of uh, mainstream viewpoints that, like ghost hunters, for example, do believe in demons um, or negative entities. And um, looking through some of the other stuff, like the tribal viewpoint, they believe the same thing Christians do, that it's a spiritual warfare in um, between good and evil spirits, the good side and the bad side. Uh, kind of the same for the... Um, where'd it go? Indo-European uh, worldview, because... There are some Hinduists, Buddhists that also f are feeling the same thing. Um, when you think of spiritual war warfare, other than what comes up in the Bible, what comes up in mind for you? Well, I mean, it's the idea of battling demons, I guess. Uh, I know we've talked about it in the past. We talk, I know we bring it up a lot. We, we talk about a lot of things in the past that we talk about now, too. Um, but when you and I did a, um, a cleansing way back in 2009, mm -hmm. uh, before becoming Christian, well, which is what led at least, you know, led us to Christ Christianity, or at least a study of Christianity in the mm -hmm. Bible. Um, I had gone through a lot of demonic, uh, affliction, mm -hmm. um, and oppression. And the one moment that we were, doing a chakra cleanse, I believe is what it was. It was like a meditation we were doing. Um, I remember seeing around me angels, uh, one which I depicted as Michael. I don't know if it was or not, but I remember seeing an angel with black wings uh, fighting off a bunch of these black shadow figures that I was seeing in the house. Uh, they would come at it and he'd slice them down with their sword, his sword, uh, and then there was another angel with white wings leaning up behind me. And I remember I had told you that same night that I was able to lean back and not fall over. It felt like something was there uh, or somebody was there uh, holding me up. And that kind of 
like in my mind, that's what always takes me to spiritual warfare. It's the idea that there are actual spiritual entities around us fighting not only for us, but for the kingdom of God as well. Uh, Satan is constantly taking on more land, covering more ground, taking, uh, taking himself was once rightfully gods and is rightfully gods, but is being stolen by Satan. Uh, and I remember, I remember, uh, there was this one, uh, sermon that I was at back home, back in Cleveland, and we were told that when we pray, to pray about spiritual warfare, pray about the kingdom of heaven. And in particular, he said, we as Christians shouldn't be sidelined because many Christians are sidelined. That means taken out of the battle, mm. in a sense, defeated or held down by Satan, uh, even if we don't know it. And that we need to stand up and storm the gates of hell and take back the land that is rightfully his, that is God's. Uh, and that has stuck with me for many years, and I still use it in my prayers. Um, and so when it comes to like my own personal idea and belief in what spiritual warfare is, I think that's what it is. I think it's both preventing or not allowing demonic entities or evil entities to sway my thoughts and actions. But at the same time, it's also helping others to recognize uh, the forces that are beyond our own nature, uh, beyond a human nature, beyond our own plane of existence. Uh, so that's what I think about that. One thing I did want to bring up real quick, uh, it was actually based on what you said, because you're talking about the secularism side of spiritual warfare. And you had mentioned the cryptozoologists and ghost hunters and stuff, some ghost hunters and stuff like that. And I agree. I think there is some sort of, in some sense of skepticism in some of those different areas, especially like cryptozoology, oftentimes uh, they're not so much interested in the spiritual side of what some cryptids could present, such as Bigfoot. I know we've talked about that before, mm. uh, being a spiritual entity instead of being in the actual physical form. Uh, and there, of course, there's some ghost hunters who don't believe in demons at all, but just believe in ghosts, you know. Mm. Uh, and if we're talking about secularism in this sense of spiritual warfare being that there are entities that just simply don't have any bend on humanity, they don't do anything whatsoever, then yeah, I can see that. Uh, but then there's another side of secularism that's true secularism in which there are people who simply don't believe in a God, who don't believe in ghosts, who don't believe in anything spiritual of nature by any means. And so those are the people that I think are really, truly the secular people that we're talking about because uh, they don't believe in spiritual warfare. They don't believe that prayer is going to help anybody. They don't believe that you can come in with a smudging stick into a house and ward off or push out an uh, evil spirit or you know a dark spirit. Uh, you know, these are all things that these people don't believe. And that's true secularism. And how we actually help them understand is even beyond me. Like, I, it's hard to to explain. And really what it comes down to is spiritual warfare. And that's where people you will hear, like Christians and others even say, uh, after getting in an argument with somebody who's truly against the idea of any type of spiritualism and against the spiritual nature, uh, they'll say, okay, well, we'll pray for you. Or they'll just pray for them on their own because in the end they know, yes, I understand why you don't believe this. However, I'm going to prove it to you because only God can intervene. Can intervene. 
And there are secular people who have come to know Christ or have come to believe in at least a ghost, you know, ghostly apparitions or, you know, the idea of life beyond death uh, because of these prayers. Or at least I think and believe that they're because of these prayers. But at some point, some people do come to to recognize it. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's a hard thing when it comes to secular the secular outlook on the spiritual world, uh, because in their minds it just doesn't exist. They're, you're right. Science can't explain it. Um, and if science can't explain it, then it's not real. It's not there. It's all just myths and legends and stories. And that's about it. So now looking back before we had done that meditation, um, did you ever think about, spiritual warfare or that maybe um, ghost hunting or I should say uh, hauntings are a type of spiritual warfare? Um, no, I mean, I didn't think of spiritual warfare back then. Um, you know, I, I grew up Roman Catholic. Uh, when I prayed, it was not very heartfelt. It was the same prayer every single night for as long as I remember since I was a kid until my 20s. Um, which when, when you read through the scriptures and when you, uh, you know, listen to sermons and people, other people's take on scriptures, you start to realize that prayer isn't something repetitive in the sense of saying the same words over and over again, like the Our Father. You don't say the Our Father, Our Father over and over and over again as a prayer, but it's, but your prayer should be like the Our Father. Um, and not that it's wrong to say, you know, the Our Father. A prayer, um, but it's not something that should be prayed consistently day in and day out as you pray to God because eventually it's no longer heartfelt. You know, you should be praying about what you, uh, what you're currently feeling at that moment, you know. What you're going through is that that's what, what you're going through. Yeah. And then many people will call that praying from the heart or praying by the spirit. Um, but yeah, so back then I didn't think much of spiritual warfare. You know, I believe that there were entities, both good and evil. Um, at the time, I believe the evil side was much cooler than the good side. So, you know, there's that. Um, I don't really recall doing much praying when I was going through the attacks. Um, never really even thought about it. And in a sense, I think that's part of the spiritual warfare. They're going to prevent, especially for those who don't believe in God, uh, or at least um, don't believe in him in the way that, uh, like as a personal savior, I guess. Okay. You know, cause like, you know, I believed in God, but that, you know, didn't mean anything to me. It's just, okay. Yeah. I believe God exists, but who cares, you know, yeah. <laughs> at the time. So, and I think with that, that's part of the spiritual nature or spiritual warfare because the entities don't want you to pray to God. The whole concept of spiritual warfare is to keep you away from God and to pull you from him. Uh, because the demons know they're going to hell. That's very clear in the Bible. Satan knows he's going to hell one day. Um, and, of course, if you were in Satan's shoes, you're going to take as many people as you can with you. Because if you're going to suffer, they're going to suffer. And if they're suffering, God's suffering. And boom, there you have it. I mean, it seems like, and, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, for, for a very long answer that really didn't, or a question that got a long answer that it didn't really need. I <laughs> mean, that, really that's your normal like that. MO is. is a long answer for a short answer, but that's all right. I mean, I think people need to hear an extended answer because, I mean, if you give a short answer, they're going to be like, well, why? Why did you feel that way? 
So I, and I, when we first started this journey, you know, I was just kind of, I guess I was, I was more agnostic than I was atheist because I, I called myself an atheist, but in deep down, I, I still felt that there must be something else out there because I was searching for, for other things. I was use, uh, going to Wicca. I was going to, um, uh, maybe it was just Wicca, but, um, but I, I was looking for something other than Christianity to explain things. And when we first started doing the podcast and started doing, uh, ghost hunting, I, I think I had even said to you on air that if I can talk about and believe in angels, demons, ghosts, then it's not far-fetched to say that there must be God and the devil, because that's the two commanding officers of, of the armies there. Um, I, but I didn't really understand spiritual warfare at the time. Mm-hmm. And going into the research uh, back then and just brushing up on it uh, in the past day or so, it it really goes to show how ignorant I still am. Because in, in my viewpoint, particular viewpoint, because I, I would say that I, I'm a secular viewpoint, but it's not in the sense of the actual definition of the secular view. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of people that still believe that these, these things are happening, but they they put another spin on it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing that I kept coming across in the different definitions is, you know, that this is a, a Christian uh, phrase, but... There are different spins on it. And looking back, like I had said earlier, I think a haunting is a type of of spiritual attack, especially depending on the type of haunting. But if you look mm-hmm. at haunting as a whole, hauntings as a whole, um, it, it kind of falls into that, that uh, viewpoint. Another aspect of it, and one that we have touched on in the past, was the extraterrestrial thing. And do you feel that um, extraterrestrial, like how we have talked about um, abduction, do you feel that that's a type of spiritual warfare as well, that they use that as, as a way to get to us? Yeah, I mean, if if indeed angels are demonic entities, and I mean, I'm not saying that they are. I'm also not saying that they're not. I mean, I think you said angels. Uh, did I say angels? Did yeah. I say angels? <laughs> yeah, I figured. I started to think about it as I was talking. Aliens. I'm sorry, guys. Angel angels were some are demonic entities now. <laughs> they weren't originally. Um, aliens. I'm sorry. Aliens, uh, if they are indeed demonic entities, I'm not saying that they are necessarily one or the other, but instead could be both. Uh, because again, to say aliens don't exist, well, that just shows my ignorance if they do. Right. Um, and to say that they do exist and they don't also shows my ignorance. So instead I'm indifferent and don't really know. But if demons are betraying what we believe are aliens and they're abducting people, 
Yes, it's a sense of spiritual warfare. Um, when you look at the accounts through a number of different research uh, out there and documentation on on uh, abductions, you notice a pattern. See, people aren't usually, usually they're not just simply abducted and that's it and then returned, but instead there's a process that goes goes on for a month or two or three that eventually gets the person to abduction. Uh, and sometimes that goes in the full sense of the kinds out there, the first kind, second kind, third kind, and the fourth kind. Um, but th- there's so many little branches in between too. You know, sometimes it's, for example, in, in one case you'll read that somebody was doing research on alien life, you know, on UFOs. And they dug and dug and dug and then they started to believe they were seeing UFOs and they started to see these little figures in their room at night or in dreams. And then one night, all of a sudden, they claim that they're abducted and maybe they were, or maybe it was something up in their head there that made them believe they're being abducted, which again, I think demons are capable of doing. You know, people aren't necessarily fully abducted like we believe them to be, you know, body leaving the atmosphere and all that, but instead are uh, mentally or spiritually abducted. Uh, and this could be through a dream to make you believe something uh, that just isn't real. So much like a demonic case of possession, it, it, they're very similar where there's events that lead up to the eventual possession, uh, just as there's events that lead up to the, the eventual abduction, because the idea is that this, the uh, evil entities or the demonic entities need to break you down spiritually in order for them to take full control or have the ability to manipulate uh, your own mind and body in ways that you can't really do or that they can't even do when you're stronger or healthier uh, as a spiritual individual. Um, so, that, I mean, that's something to think about. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that it is very possible that alien abduction can be a side of spiritual warfare. Yeah. And from doing uh, the show for as long as we have and talking to different people, I can see it from both sides. I can see that there there are areas where it, it could be a spiritual attack and then there could be some where it's real. But at the same time, the same question comes to my mind. Why would aliens be coming here to abduct us and do experiments on us if they've been looking over us for as long as some people quote unquote uh, say they have been. So I, I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, well, I mean, it's true. I, I'm actually going to play devil's advocate a little bit here because I mean, we've studied rats for as long as I know humans existed and yet we're still studying rats for different things or cutting open pigs to better understand, you know, diseases and understand human interactions and stuff like that, you know, because there are similarities. So, I mean, in one sense, I can understand why, you know, aliens, if they exist, would be abducting people. They're experimenting and learning new stuff because, let's face it, humanity is evolving and maybe not to the sense of like Darwinism, but to some extent, humanity is evolving. Although, again, you look at the news and you think maybe we're Devolving, (laughs) you know, Um, but yeah, so I mean, there is that possibility, I suppose, that aliens have their reasons for abducting people and that those reasons may be very well understood if we just took a look at our own lives or the human uh, 
population and how we as scientists tend to decipher and debunk things and learn about life aside from the Bible or spiritual aspect of it. That, yeah, I guess that's that's true. I've never really thought about that we are still experimenting on lower, quote-unquote, lower beings than, than ourselves. So I, I guess that is a good possibility. Um, through all of the research and uh, through your your theology training, in the long run, what is the the whole point of the spiritual warfare against humans in general. What what did you come across for that? Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. I mean, the idea of spiritual warfare in a Christian um, perspective is just that Satan is trying to subdue us uh, from acting out the will of God. Uh, it's very clear that God works through us. Uh, I don't believe he uses us in the sense of like using us unwillingly. Um, I think he uses us willingly. And of course there are moments uh, in time where we see through history where, especially in the Bible, where there were people that were hurt or whatever for the greater purpose of the kingdom of heaven. Um, Aside from that, I, I think that spiritual warfare is really about keeping us or humanity away from God. Uh, because just as the devil has lost his grace uh, there in heaven, so he wants us to do the same. And, and people think, okay, well, does that mean that I, as a Christian, if I am subdued by spiritual, by the spiritual warfare or by an entity, does that take away my salvation? And, and I actually hear that a lot. And personally, I think the answer is no. Uh, as long as you continue to fight and you pray and you stay as close to God as you can, you continually work toward being close to God uh, and believe it, that your salvation is secure. Uh, and as long as you're working on producing good fruits, um, then I think your salvation is secure. Um, but the idea here of spiritual warfare is two things. It goes for two people. One, spiritual warfare exists for the person who's not a Christian, who isn't a believer and doesn't believe in God. That spiritual warfare is going to try to prevent that person from ever seeking God and ever finding him. Warfare for Christians is to keep the Christians from going out and teaching other people about God so that those people who don't know God will never decide to look upon him or turn to him. Uh, yeah, the devil can't take away our salvation, but he certainly can stop us from going out and making disciples and teaching people the Lord and the truth.
And that's what the idea of spiritual warfare really is, uh, to subdue us and take us out of the war. I could, I, yeah. And I, I agree with, with that Christian standpoint. Um, the one thing that I've kind of come to understand too is there, there are other entities out there. Um, and you know, that we've talked about the different ones, Jin, um, you know, ghosts, people, the ghosts that have been brought down and are, are plaguing people over just, you know, visiting and being there. Um, and I feel that that those types of spiritual warfare are more along the lines of just being a pest. I mean, there are, I feel that demons are kind of like a spiritual parasite in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, there, I feel that there are other entities that are like that. So that, um, I feel that the, that falls under that as well for spiritual attack. And we'll get into next week a little bit about the different ways that, uh, the spiritual, uh, spiritualistic side compared to the Christian side teaches you how to protect yourself. So we'll get into that more next week. But I think that's uh, a good point for us to, to take our break. We will be right back with Paratruth Radio right after this. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Paratruth where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Paratruth where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Again, that's paratruthradio.com forward slash paratruth. Go check it out. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And uh, we've been talking about spiritual warfare, uh, basically more so the definition of, of spiritual warfare and uh, the different viewpoints that there are on it now we've been talking a a lot about the christian side because that's kind of where spiritual the term spiritual warfare comes from um and like i said next week we'll kind of get into the ways that we're told that we can protect ourselves from both sides of the spectrum but um one thing that i wanted to ask you is Mm -hmm. as a christian Doing what you're told to protect yourself against um, spiritual attack, does that mean that you're never attacked, do you think? Mm-mm. No. Uh, and honestly, I think as a Christian, you're attacked more than uh, a non-Christian or a uh, secular believer or non-believer, I guess, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, praying... And doing all that we're to do as a Christian in the war for good and evil is relatively exhausting. You know, the prayers should be consistent uh, and constant, 
Um, but you'll find that because you're a believer uh, in God, that Satan's going to work even harder to bring you down because it's more important to prove to God that he can stop one of his own children. Um, and Job is another great story about that because Job was considered a stand-up man, someone who was fearful of God and loved God. And of all the people that Satan could have stopped uh, or could have uh, uh, hurt, you know, and try to bring down, Job was the one he saw because he saw that God was protecting him. He had a hedge of protection around him. That's what it says in the scriptures. Um, and so Satan said, okay, let me go to your best, the one who's most faithful, the one who's the strongest in faith at this current moment. Let me show you that I can cut him down, that he will, by the time I'm done, renounce his faith and belief in you and turn away from you and turn to other gods. Um, and that's his main goal. You know, he wants to prove to God that his children, uh, those who believe in God, uh, ultimately, when faced with affliction, will turn away from God entirely and say, you're not worth it. So, yeah, I think in the sense of a spiritual warfare for a Christian, I think it's it's a little more difficult than it is for someone who's non-Christian because, let's face it, those who are non-Christian or non-believers, they, they don't believe, you know. Uh, they, they Most of them don't even believe in spiritual entities, let alone in God, so there's really no real need to worry about the fight because they're already out of it. So that's not to say, though, that they're not attacked, correct? Right. No. Yeah. I mean, they can. Okay. So this is where it starts to get a little weird because then we start to question. Like, here's the thing: we we know people out there who believe that. Everything that is that happens is based on some type of demonic entity or demonic attack, a spiritual attack. Mm. Uh, anything a person does, anything that you know that happens in the world, you know, whether it's some type of calamity, war, famine, disease, you name it, it's done by a demon. Um, and I don't fully agree with that because based on the scriptures. Even though Satan tempted both Eve and Adam, and I put them in order because of the order in which they were tempted, um, based on that alone, we learn that sin crept into the life of mankind and that once that happened, people were then judged for their own actions, their sins by God. Uh, there's a reason why God said, do not eat from the tree of, uh, do not eat from the tree of good and evil. Otherwise, you'll surely die. Uh, it's because that action was on humans, was on people. They did that themselves. They could have said no to Satan. They could have ignored. They could have walked away, but they didn't. Uh, and now the curse resides. God saw what they did, and he cursed humanity from there on out until Jesus came back. Um, and that curse is that there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be death. There's going to be illness. All of these things because of one action of a person. And so in that sense, I think and believe strongly that humanity is indeed much at fault for most of the things that happen, including disease, including mental illness. That's part of the 
punishment, if you will, mm-hmm. for sin, part of the result of sin. Um, but there are some cases in which demons can be blamed, though I don't think we'll ever really know what they're what to blame them for, because there are people who are struggling with a mental disorder, and all they need is a little push over the edge to do something drastic and terrible. And in those cases, that's when Satan might show up, you know, or when the demon might show up. Because that person might be fine. You know, they're, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're not in a good spot. And mentally they're a little messed up because of whatever the issue is. Yeah. But they still know right from wrong. And they're fighting to stay on until that demon comes over and whispers something that just gives them that little edge to fall over. And then next thing you know, we have school shootings or we have, uh, these wars beginning because of a terrorist attack or, you know, this and that. So yeah, but, but really defining what you know, what's caused by a demonic entity and what's simply based on human nature or the result of human nature. I mean, you're going to kill yourself against that, you know, like, I mean, you're just going to drive you crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a right place for both sides, but I don't think demons do everything by any means. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a very good point that, uh, we try and blame, a little too much on the spiritual and, and don't take credit for what we've done in the right. long run. Well, you know, and the problem with that is, like, like I understand. Okay, yeah, you want to blame Satan because Satan's a bad dude, you know, <laughs> which is true. Um, But if you keep blaming Satan, then are you ever really going to change you are you ever going to change yourself? Are you going to allow yourself to continue falling into that same situation because it's not your fault? It's Satan's fault. Eventually, you need to take the blame yourself and realize, okay, maybe I am the one at fault here. Maybe I keep ending up in this situation because I'm doing something wrong. And you need to figure out what that is and fix it. And once you do, guess what? That situation most likely won't happen again. Because if you find out what the situation, even if it is Satan, if you find out the situation that eventually allures Satan to walk into your life and persuade you to do something, then you better change whatever that situation was to make him walk in there and that alert him. In the end, I think it really comes down to people and what their actions and thoughts are and not necessarily the demons. I think demons just kind of play off of human emotion. They play off of what humanity is already capable of doing and they just push a little harder when the time is right. So we as people, uh, Christian or otherwise, need to be careful of our own actions. That's why they say be kind to your neighbor, you know, to love you, uh, your neighbor as yourself, you know, and to, to, to go out and help the poor, to reach out to the hurting, you know, things like that, because you have that power. I mean, let's face it. Why is it that every time that we fail at something or do something wrong, we blame Satan or we're sick or have a disease, we blame Satan. When I go and give money to the homeless, Am I, am I blaming the angel for letting me do that? Like, that wasn't the angel, you know, that was me. That was my decision. Yes, the Holy Spirit could have persuaded me. Hmm. But in the end, it's my decision as to what to do, not the Holy Spirit's. God's not going to tell me what to do. He'll, he'll suggest what I should do, but I don't need to listen if I don't want to. Right. So, you know, when you look at it from both perspectives and both sides, I mean, heck, it all comes down to humanity, in my opinion. That's what it comes down to. It's what we do, not what Satan does and not what 
even God is necessarily doing at the moment in our lives. It's what we decide based on those two and what they're currently telling us. Do you think that it would be easier for people to try and listen for for that word? Or do you think, as far as from God, not the devil, obviously, or or do you think that uh, us as humans just have become into that worldview sense, like we're, we're not worried about the afterlife, we're more worried about the here and now? Um, are you talking about the Christian side or just humanity in general, like both sides? Uh, as a whole, humanity as a whole. Do you as think whole, that it would be easier to just stick with the worldview and not think of anything? Or do you think it is easy to like hear God? We just need to, to actually listen. Uh, no, I think it's always going to be difficult to hear God. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's part of, that's part of it. You know, you, the, the thing, here's what I've learned is God whispers things to us. You know, he whispers things, tells us gently what to do or, or at least gives us an idea of what to do very gently. You know, he's like the loving father, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's okay if you don't want to do this, but I really think you should do this. You know, just, yeah. just get it done. You know, where Satan's like, you're going to do this. Do you listen? But listen to me. This is what I'm telling you to do and you're going to do it because I said you're going to do it and you're going to think that you're the one who thought it, but it was really me. And you're going to do this bad thing and you're going to get in trouble for it and I'm going to laugh. And like you start to listen to the louder voice, the one who's saying, this is more fun. This is the more interesting thing. This is the thing that everybody else is doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's the temptation. And every time he's over there yelling like this, you have God on the other side saying, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You, you don't. You really don't. And I think the, the, the difficult part is not differentiating the voices, but allowing yourself to tune out the loud one and listen to the whisper that's gentle. The one that's telling you, like, it's okay. You don't have to do this. Uh, you have the freedom to choose otherwise. Uh, and, and the problem is that we can't always differentiate the two, mm. you know? I mean, we have a conscience. A lot of people, you know, people bring up the conscience a lot. I mean, is the conscious actually just our conscious or is that God speaking, you know? I mean, everybody, at least to some extent, knows the difference between right and wrong. If you choose to do wrong, you're obviously not doing what God would want you to do. So it only makes sense that doing the right thing is God's voice. You may not hear him, you know, literally you may not hear him. But there's always the idea in the sense that God is telling you what to do through your conscience, through your own thoughts of right and wrong. Now, if you think doing wrong is right, well, then you just screwed up. I was just going to say, what if there are people out there that can't differentiate the difference? Well, no. I mean, yes. But in this case, I'm thinking, uh, and I'm not saying all Muslims by any means, but I'm saying the extremists who are out there believing that God would tell them to kill a bunch of other people, that's the one where you're differentiating, where you're having trouble differentiating right from wrong because you're believing that God is telling you to do the right thing. And at that moment, the right thing is to kill a bunch of people. But in the scriptures, God very clearly says, do not kill, period. So if there's anything, 
anything at all telling you that you should kill someone or hurt somebody, then you already know it's the wrong thing. It's not of God. God would never tell you to hurt anybody for any purpose whatsoever. I know people will argue with me and say, yeah, but the Old Testament. We're not talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about the New Testament because the Old Testament, though it's not obsolete, most of the history was only provided for the Israelites, the Hebrews, which no longer applies to the Gentiles, which is you and I. Um, and we need to focus on the New Testament because the New Testament is what God offered. It was the thing that happened after Jesus came, mm-hmm. showing us a new way, the way of God, the true way of God. I mean, yes, things had to happen in history uh, for, for the Israelites and for the Jews. And yes, some of those things are terrible. Can we fully fathom or understand the situation? No. Why? Because we can't understand or fathom God. Yeah. And it's just something that we need to, to deal with. You know, it, it's hard and it's frustrating, but in the end, yeah, I, I mean, I think there, most people know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, obviously, like you had mentioned this, you can't differentiate those people, um, either being complete idiots or having some type of mental disorder where they can't discern the difference, you know, or have trouble doing so. But beside that, the majority of humanity knows the difference between right and wrong. They know it's wrong to go into a school with a gun for whatever purpose. They know it's wrong to do these drugs or those drugs or drink this alcohol and drive or, you know, to say the wrong words to somebody, you know, uh, on, on the Internet. Because those things lead to very can lead to very horrible situations. So but the problem is that many people just don't care. They don't care what's right or what's wrong because they're going to do whatever they want to do because they don't want anything over them, over their authority, you know, saying otherwise. The problem is they don't realize that they're being subdued by spiritual warfare when they make those drastic, rash decisions. So you brought up a very good point because there's a lot of school shootings and stabbings going on right now in the U.S. within the past, like, two weeks, let alone Uh over – however long it's been since it's kind of been a major thing. Do you think that that's a form of spiritual attack that's going on? Like those people that Um, are committing those acts? uh, I mean, yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, I know people who would say it is. Um, Again, I I think it's fully possible. There's the devil's there, you know, and when I say devil, I mean an evil spirit. Um, is there wanting you to to pull that trigger, basically, to pay back on the school? He wants you to do it. And so, yes, if there is anything in your mind that would suggest that you would do such a thing, he's going to use it to his advantage and give you that little coax to keep going. And, yes, I think it could be spiritual warfare because if the right person came into their life at the right time, Maybe, and said the right thing, then maybe there wouldn't be any harm done. Maybe they would have decided otherwise. Maybe they wouldn't have that, uh, that murderous streak in them. Um, if that one person didn't bully that kid, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying anyone in specific, I'm just saying in general, you know, if that one person wasn't bullied by all the other kids, maybe they wouldn't step up to do something horrible. If there's somebody in their life who could protect them and tell them it's okay and here's why, then maybe they wouldn't go and cause such terrible harm. But I, 
it's hard for me to believe that there are people that are actually out there doing that for these people. And I think in part because people nowadays aren't open to sharing their feelings or their truths of what's going on in their lives. Instead, they hold it, they bottle it up, and it builds and builds and builds and builds until finally they're given that push. And yeah, Satan knows when that push is the perfect time. Satan's not stupid. He's going to push when he knows it's the right time to push. He's not going to do something and like it's going to fall apart on him necessarily. He's going to most likely do it when he knows it's going to work in his favor. At least when it comes to people who aren't Christian. Right. He doesn't have that power over Christians. I think he, he'll think he does. But there are plenty of times where he'll push that Christian and Christian's like, eh, no, we're not going to do this because it's not of God. And he gets screwed over. But, you know, you, you really got to try. It's weird, but you got to try to get into the mindset of who the devil is and what he does. And the scripture's full of those examples. You know, there's plenty to plenty to uh, plenty of information to provide you with to understand and acknowledge the truth about Satan. And that's how you kind of fight him. You got to understand your enemy, know your enemy. Yeah. I, and for those people out there, and this will be kind of my final thought on this for those people out there that are a strict secular scientific worldview point. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there is somewhat of a point there that, uh, in the sense that we blame a lot on the spiritual compared to our, our own doing. But I do believe that there are points in our lives that we're being affected, whether that's angels, demons. I mean, angels wouldn't be doing spiritual warfare against us. They'd be protecting us. But, um, Jin, dark spirits, they're, they're attacking us because I've seen proof of it. And unless you have seen proof of it, you don't believe it. So I think that, um, I think that you have to be ready to protect, protect yourself. If the time comes that you have to, you should be ready. Um, so I, I want to make sure that when we cover protection next week, that you guys kind of listen in to both sides. I'm not saying use the, the non-Christian side, if that's not what you believe, but listen to both sides. And then uh, you guys can see what we're being told through both views. Any final thoughts on your, your end on spiritual warfare? Nope. All right. So I've been seeing a lot of comments lately and I truly appreciate it guys. I know I haven't been responding. Uh, for the most part, it's you. If I don't respond, I'm not really understanding the comments, but, uh, I do appreciate every comment that we've been getting as well as, uh, the, the emails and everything else. So definitely keep up with staying in contact with us. Uh, make sure you're checking out paratruthradio.com where you will find the Patreon account link as well as the links on where we're at. Um, and just stay tuned, guys. we got a lot of great stuff coming your way, and I hope that you guys are enjoying everything. So until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace.
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.